0: Welcome to UBP Podcast, I'm Cédric Lebert, I'm an Investment Specialist and Fund Selector at UBP. Good morning Ned, I'm pleased to have you today. Uh, I know you are the Founder and the Lead Portfolio Manager at Bell Asset Management. Um, we have now this partnership in place between our two firms uh, and I would like to hear today a little bit about what does it bring to you uh, as a firm and more importantly, what does
1: it bring to your clients? Sure, thanks for having me. And um, So I think the the partnership was really built on the idea of having a mutually beneficial relationship between UBP and Bell, where we're both bringing something to the table. Um, We feel like we can introduce UBP's capabilities to the Australian institutional market, which is very important from UBP's perspective. From our perspective, we feel like we've got a, a very unique global equity capability that through the partnership we can help introduce to UBP's institutional private banking client base in Europe, the Middle East, and and Asia-Pacific.
0: No, you're absolutely right. I think at UBP, partnerships have always been very important. We've grown through partnerships. I think what we like as well with Bell is that it's privately owned. You own your fate, it's in your hands, and you've been driving this business for the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. So very happy to be partnering with you. And you're right. Uh, I think the addition of Bell into our, let's say, investment solution range is very important we are now manufacturing a lot of fixed income solutions we have very good equity teams as well but i think what bells brings us is really uh, this smed small and mid cap uh, exposure and also this quality element that you put into it when you select companies could you tell us a little bit more about uh,
1: this sure so the uh, so i guess the investment dna of the business has really been built on the idea of quality investing um, the capability itself has been now been over 20 years. So December last year was our 20-year anniversary. So we've been through a lot of different market cycles, which is really important given the current macro backdrop. But in essence, we've built this capability around the idea that quality investing is the best way to build and uh, to generate the most consistent excess returns over time. Uh, we're not big believers in the ebbs and flows of value and growth investing. We always we're always trying to outperform irrespective of market conditions. And and you're right, the small mid cap investing has been a really important part of of our journey. So our all cap strategy, for example, forty percent out of our alpha over twenty years has come from small mid cap investing. So it is it is quite unique. Um and then if we if we go back a few years in twenty sixteen we actually decided to offer that small mid cap capability as a as a discrete asset class. Mm-hmm. And it's really been one of edu- it's been a real education process since. And that's educational process is is ongoing. But it's a it's a very unique part of what we do. And and as of right now, we think it's a great opportunity for investors to explore. I like the word you
0: use, educational, because it takes a lot of time for, let's say, clients and people to embrace and mm-hmm. let's say, new strategies, uh, new companies. When I select managers, I always like to talk about their DNA, what makes them unique and what makes them existing and, and being like um, a solution for investors. Could you tell us a little bit about
1: your DNA as a firm? Sure. So so our DNA is really built around the idea that our, our success is dependent on the client's success. And unless we're generating alpha for clients on a consistent basis, we don't have a business. So we are very much... Yeah, We're fundamental bottom-up investors with a quality focus. We're very focused on um, our own research. So we spend a lot of time meeting with companies. We would do 500 research engagements a year. So we're very research intensive. That's incredibly important. Um, we've also stuck to our process through Dick and Tim. Yeah. And, and I think that's also important so the clients understand what they're getting with our capability. And as much as the recent period of very low interest rates hasn't necessarily been conducive to a disciplined approach. We're coming into a period now where that, that pendulum will swing. We feel like you know the volatility of the market is great, a great backdrop for, for our strategy now. So, so, you know, we love what we do as, as stock pickers. I've been, I've been in the industry for 27 years now, um, the team of nine, I think the average experience is now 22 years. Um, and, you know, we love bringing talent into the business. And that's that's really important to have, uh, that the clients understand that we're investing in talent, we're investing in good stock pickers that stay with us for a long period of time. So that's that, those are really the key elements, I think, around the investment in DNA. Um, and then probably a few other quick points. One being is that we are very long-term shareholders. So we buy stocks and often we hold them for 10 years, 15 years. Um, And again, we like the idea of investing in companies and letting their earnings compound over a very long period of time. And the the last point I'd touch on would be the idea of having a valuation discipline. It's one thing to just invest in quality companies, but it's another thing to be disciplined about valuation. Mm -hmm. And last year really taught us how important it is to be disciplined around valuation. So as much as we love to own quality, we're very patient, so we wait until stocks get sold off. We wait, We try to capitalize on those what we call the disconnects between quality and value. But mm-hmm. so those have been the main things I've touched on.
0: No, I really appreciate that because in, in our world, when we select managers, often we find good stock pickers, but a bit less in terms of portfolio construction and discipline, as you mentioned, because each and any given year is different. Talking about now, 2023, we mm-hmm. just closed the first quarter. Uh, we've seen a tremendous uh, market uh, breakup last year. You mentioned the pendulum swinging between the value and growth. Now we have interest rates higher than the last decade. Now mm-hmm. we have different cost of capital. We have different uh, disruptions between markets. I'm just curious about how this quality fits into the current market environment and what can investors expect from a quality manager in environments where markets are a bit
1: more uh, volatile? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And you're absolutely right. We are coming into this very unusual market of bond whereby we've had interest rates below 1% for the best part of the last 10, 15 years. And now they're, they've rapidly approached 5%. So Q1 was an example of that's where we're just starting to see some of the um, the undisplayed capital allocation um that's happened in the last five ten years start to become problematic we've obviously seen fvv collapse issues with um you know various other banks you know in you know in switzerland and obviously in the us so we are going to be in for a period of volatility when it comes to quality in an inflationary period we've done some analysis that shows that the quality factor does outperform pretty consistently in periods of high inflation so we actually looked at Every, over the last 40 years, for example, every calendar year when US CPI has been north of 4%, uh, we looked at how the MSCI quality index performed in those calendar years. On average, it outperformed by 7.4%. And there was only two periods when that, that rule didn't hold. So there's a very consistent correlation. And again, in 20, where we are today, I think, I think from our perspective, our view is that Inflation is very sticky. Um, the Fed and other central banks are having a very difficult time rating in inflation, mainly because the, it's the structural nature of the uh, of the labour market. There's, there's a structural shortage of labour, particularly in the US, so it's making the Fed's job a lot harder to fight inflation. So if you buy into the idea that inflation will remain relatively elevated for the next two to three years, which is, which is our view, then quality should... Should mean revert as a factor. Um, if you think back to 1988, it was the last year before last year before last year when quality lagged. Um, in the subsequent three years, it outperformed by more than 10% mm-hmm. per annum. So we think that rebound will probably will probably eventuate, and it's a, it's actually a really good time to be allocating to quality.
0: Okay, and I I heard you a few times mentioning that. Smith camps have been very early in Mm -hmm. cutting costs, let's say in in the cusp of COVID first and then uh, with Mm -hmm. last year. So are they better positioned today to withstand uh, this sticky inflation you mentioned and also the fact that cost
1: of capital is much higher than before? They are. They're they're incredibly well positioned both from a fundamental perspective and from a valuation perspective. So from a valuation perspective, they're trading at a 10-year low. Mm -hmm. So they typically, the index, typically trades at a 10% premium. It's currently trading at a 7% discount, um, more than a 30% discount to, to growth stocks. So there's a lot of valuation support, and that's very important, again, in a high and straight environment. So they trade on around 15 times earnings. From a, um, a fundamental perspective, you're right, The what we saw in the, the COVID year was small mid-cap companies took a lot of cost out of their businesses because they had to. The, unlike the, the bigger, more bureaucratic um, large-gap companies, they had to act very, very quickly. And so the net effect of that is they've been able to withstand the inflationary pressure that we've seen in the last few years. And let's face it, it's been a very difficult operating environment for the last three years. But, um, and it sounds somewhat counterintuitive going to a period where we might see a shallow recession, but they are arguably in a far stronger position than what they have been. To withstand what could be a slowdown from a macro perspective so so we feel like and that and the combination of those two the valuation support and the fundamental um you know strength is very much underestimated by the market and that's why we're really so optimistic that it could actually have a very really strong period of performance in the next couple of years
0: so ned you've been with us for a couple of days now throughout mm. europe so i'm just curious what is the current appetite for quality among clients? Do you see investors willing to redeploy their assets into your uh, asset class, equity, global equity, and SMID? And what could you tell us about flows uh, in the
1: different strategies that you run? Sure, so the, the short answer to that is we are getting a lot more demand for both our all-cap core strategy, which is a, an all-cap uh, quality-focused strategy. that has been going for 20 years. So I think the the environment is such that what we're seeing from institutional investors in the US, Australia, Asia Pacific, to some degree in Europe is a move back to kind of the, the core strategies that are more consistent. Mm-hmm. So the huge volatility between value and growth, I think has caught a lot of institutional investors off guard in 2022. And the current macro backdrop has... Um, I guess it's instigating this, this move back to the center. So looking for strategies that can be more consistent, um, well, diversified with a, with a quality overlay when it comes to the small mid cap argument, it's, it's really, as I said before, it's a bit of an education process because a lot of institutional investors typically have, if you think about their growth exposure, they typically have a lot of large cap global growth and emerging markets. And those are the, the two sort of bedrocks of their growth exposure. Um, at this point in time, obviously emerging markets has been problematic for a number of reasons over a long period of time. Um, and it's also a more volatile part of the market. Large cap growth, you know, sitting here in um, April has had this remarkable rebound and is now quite expensive. So the, the argument for allocations to small mid-cap as something that's large, inexpensive and could rebound quite strongly is getting more appealing. So we have seen a lot more flow into that strategy globally. We now managed over a billion dollars US in dedicated small mid cap mandates. And we, more generally as a business, our funds under management are the highest they've been, we currently manage $2.7 billion in various global mandates and we would be winning sort of more and more, uh, more and more business in North America, Australia. Um, the consultant support that we've been getting out of the US has actually been very strong, um, also in the, in the UK market. So all things, you know, to wrap that up, the momentum of the business has been strong and this type of environment that we're moving into, I think has been recognized by the institutional community Thank you very much for this discussion.
0: Thanks a lot for listening and you can find all our podcasts on Spotify.